This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frack site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Pipeline. It is me, your host, Jordan Yates. And today I am joined by Kathy Shannon, the executive director of the Permian Basin Petroleum Museum. Kathy, how are you doing today? We're doing great today. Amazing. I, guys, I'm holding on to my voice for dear life right now. We are at PBIOS and we have been chit-chatting with a lot of people since we've been here. Has that been the case for you? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Lots of people. <laughs> it's It's been very fun, though. Kathy, Kathy, like we said, is with the Permian Basin Petroleum Museum. Um, Kathy, how long have you been there? I've been there 28 years. Okay. So quite a while. I started as director of education and then moved on to director in 2004. That's amazing. So mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of insights on this museum and everything about it, correct? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I am so excited for us to get into it. Kathy, can you first kind of give us an overview of what this museum is and what the mission of the museum is? So our mission is really to share the petroleum and energy story and its impact on our lives. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we we uh, we have exhibits about the petroleum industry. We have exhibits about our cultural history of the Permian Basin. We have a beautiful mineral gallery. And then we added the Chaparral race cars in 2004. And what that did, that helped us expand on kind of a science mission. And, yeah. uh, and that was what was so important when we redid our exhibits, is that we focus on the technology of this industry. Yeah. People think of it as old and dusty and dirty, and there's so much more. And so when we completed our $18 million renovation Woo. in 2016, it was, they did such a great job of featuring this industry as just top-notch, highly technical, yeah. um, you know, bright, good colors, all of that. So uh, so I used to say that our main thing was education, and that is a big, big piece of who we are. But, you know, these last couple of years, it's been being an advocate for this industry. Yeah. Um, there's a lot out there that's, that's not so nice. And so we... Uh, that really, I think, has become very important because the only way we can get kids interested in coming into this industry is that if, you know, we, we, we get the truth out there about it and what a cool, innovative industry it is. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's nice that you're a real brick and mortar type of educational institution because a lot of times I'll notice too, I'll get frustrated because I'm like, why don't people know how great this industry is? But then it's like, okay, well, where do I point them? Where, what are the good resources, you know? And we ideally would love for the podcast to be a good resource, but I like that they can go somewhere like your museum and actually be immersed in the experience and have that good vibe associated with it. Yes, yeah, that good vibe. Six percent of everything you have around you, on you, whatever is a petroleum product, and yeah. so people just don't realize that. I was in California a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and she's like, "So, petroleum museum? What? 
what? Why? And I said, well, you would be very hungry standing here naked if you didn't have the petroleum yes. industry. So, And she was stunned. She had no idea. Her cell phone, her computer, her clothes, you know, how they cook her food, how they ship her food. It's all petroleum. Yeah. And, uh, and it was great because she... She she was interested in, and fascinated. If yeah. you can catch them and get their interest, then they kind of break away from that really bad vibe they feel when yeah. you, they hear petroleum. So that's nice. Yeah, I our third episode of this podcast was petrochemicals and everything they're used in and like what they are because I think the the truth is people just think oil is for your car. They don't think about that it's turned into so many other things. And I mean, it's not their fault. It's not common knowledge. Like we right. have to teach them. The industry has never been good about uh, advocating for itself. Mm-hmm. They just got the job done. Yeah. You know, they they didn't they didn't quote unquote waste time. They, yeah. they were working. They were out there looking for more oil and more natural gas. And uh, and then all of a sudden it comes up that nobody understands it. And uh, and then you get these people with all the negativity about it. And uh, bless their hearts, they can't catch up. Um, yeah. They just can't get caught back up. And so uh, so that's what we do. We try and get out there and, and talk about it and, and uh, let people know what a big piece of their life it is. Absolutely. I, I feel like since you guys are in Midland, I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, is the support for the museum pretty heavy considering this is an oil and gas town? It is very much so. We okay. are so fortunate that our foundations and our uh, companies and our donors are, are, are huge support for us. We couldn't do it. We're not government funded, so mm-hmm. um, we have to raise all of our money. We have a, about a $1.6 million budget. Um, we just completed an $8 million um uh, so, sorry, six million dollar education center yeah. where we will do our classes and you know impact those kids. So, uh, but we have great support from our community. It, we're fortunate. That's amazing. Do people often come out of town to come see it? Like, do you ever see field trips? Like, what kind of visitors are you getting? We do. We do a, a lot of field trips. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of the small towns. You know, this is their going to the big city, and yeah. you know, they'll go to Mr. Gaddy's Pizza and then come out and visit us. Um, we'll do classes and uh, tour kind of a combination for these kids mm-hmm. uh, so and then we get a lot of interstate visitors yeah really. so your snowbirds come right through here yeah and so they will stop one of the things we've added recently is uh, harvest host and okay. these are people in rvs and they look for places that are safe to stop and overnight mm-hmm. and we don't have hookups we don't have any of that but if they're self-contained they'll come in they'll spend the night in our parking lot which we love yeah and uh and then come visit the museum and so those people come from all over so we have a very widespread. Interstate 20 is a pretty busy yeah. road, so so we, we get some traffic. We have about 50,000 people a year come through. That's really cool. So, I mean, as you guys have seen and everybody listening knows, like this industry has been evolving so much. I mean, even in the like five or six years I've been in it, but I can only imagine what you've seen, you know, the 30-ish years you've been at the museum. Can you kind of tell us from your point of view how you've seen the industry evolve and how the museum's evolved with it? It, well, the museum has evolved a lot, but you know, really, Midland early, early on, Midland was uh, primarily oil, mm-hmm. and then uh, when we couldn't get any more oil out of the reservoirs we were in, they went to natural gas, so they mm-hmm. drilled deeper, and then we became a big natural gas community. Yeah, and then with the shale, the oil came back around. So you've seen that transition that now you know. All the oil drilling is here, uh, yeah. and so uh, so that's been uh, good. We've also 
We're seeing less and less independent companies. Um, so the big ones are coming in. You know, mm-hmm. Pioneer just got purchased by Exxon and Concho by uh, ConocoPhillips. And so that's a big shift. Um, yeah. You had Midlanders running their own companies that were big supporters of the museum and so we're having to work a little harder getting the big oil companies because they're often based in Houston yeah, they and they are. don't know who we are girl come visit so, us there you go. Oh, that's yeah. right that's right so uh, so that that's that is changing the landscape and it will probably continue to change it it's mm-hmm. uh, getting to where uh, drilling is so expensive it's hard for the independents to stay in yeah and uh, and that's kind of sad because they were the ones who built our community they yeah. built the hospital they built the theater you know they built the petroleum museum um, so uh, that'll be a bit of a shift that we're going to have to figure out. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I never even thought about the impact of that because to me, I, I, it seems so natural. Like I feel like companies are constantly getting bought out in this industry, but I didn't think of the impact of like the really big ones coming in who aren't typically based out of Midland. And uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I see I'm learning something right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a changing landscape for us. Yeah, so a big thing that has evolved a lot, I mean, constantly is the technology. Mm-hmm. What kind of technology do you guys showcase at the museum? So we try and do a, a, a pretty good overview. So mm-hmm. we start even with a beautiful diorama that shows you that this area was the Permian Sea, and that's yeah. why we're so blessed with the oil we have now. And, and then we move into a little bit of history, and uh, and then we one of our big exhibits is the Petro Trucker, and it's a very futuristic, uh, like a spaceship. My grandkids yeah. think it's a spaceship. And... Uh, but it's looking at technologies like drilling with lasers and using uh, nanobots and mm-hmm. uh, and like independently run like our sea spider you know can move on its own and go deeper in the ocean than you know people can go. So that but they took all of that for that exhibit from things that are being worked on. Mm-hmm. So it's not completely made up and foreign. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the great story we had an event there and. Uh, we were getting ready to shut down, and a man got shut down in the Petro Trekker. <laughs> and we felt terrible. I'm like, I am so sorry. He goes, no, I had to go back. I had to see it again. You all used all the stuff we worked on yeah. at School of Mines. I recognized the drawings. Oh, and my so goodness. That was so neat to know that all of our research, you know, really did come from facts and things that people are working on. And, of course, we talk about hydraulic fracturing. We mm-hmm. talk about uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary recovery. Um, we go through all of that. We talk about the products. Um, and uh, so we cover it all, but with a big umbrella. There's something yeah. we couldn't get super specific. We do have an exhibit on economics and because oil is a commodity. And it people kind of think the oil companies set the price. And so trying to get that across, that mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. Uh, OPEC has a little more impact <laughs> on it than we do. But uh, it's absolutely a commodity that's bought and sold. Mm-hmm. And uh so those are things that are, that's important for people to understand that they have just completely wrong concept. Uh, but that would be like thinking 7-Eleven sets the price of Coca-Cola. Oh you know, it, it's the same yeah. thing. It doesn't happen that way. And yeah. so it's important to talk about those economics and talk about technologies and how they get it out. And, and they need to appreciate the work these guys put in and yeah. the technology they develop because it is absolutely amazing that you can turn a drill bit 10,000 feet underground and hit something the size of a trash can top. Yeah. And they can do it. And uh, that's after three or four miles of drilling uh, laterally. So what they have developed is absolutely incredible. And for these guys in the industry, it 
they love it. They they do it because they love it. it yeah. It's not a job they have to go to every day. <laughs> it is something like, what can we figure out next? Exactly. And so that's what's been exciting is to meet these guys who have figured out all kinds of things. So uh, it's a great industry. Yeah, I know. The morale is so much fun. I love the camaraderie of it. And especially like you said, like it's they're excited to be there because when you're in the industry and you get it, you you understand how awesome it is. Exactly. You know, and you have fun with it. But um, I'm curious with like the current society and the focus on sustainability and how people think oil and gas is bad. Like, oh my gosh, why do you do that? Uh, do you guys have anything that's focused on like sort of that aspect, like the um, environmental impact within the museum? You know, we, we don't have a big, heavy envir environmental impact display, we have uh, an exhibit called Mythcrackers, and so it will talk about, you know, we use way more water to water golf courses than yeah. we use in the industry. But then that gives you a chance to talk about, but what they're doing now is they're figuring out how to recycle. There are companies out there. Mm -hmm. A great story for the industry was um, the CO2 flooding. Well, they, that was a waste product, and then somebody came up was like, can't we do something with this? And yeah. they can. And so that was tertiary recovery. And then you have a company like Kendra Morgan, and that's what they do yeah. from a product that 20 years ago was a waste product. Mm -hmm. And so that's the industry continually working on. These guys don't want to hurt the environment. I mean, they're big outdoor guys yeah. for the most part. This is they're they're not out there to ruin the environment. And so we do it right now. This com this country drills for oil and gas cleaner than anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. And so if you think it makes sense <laughs> to go buy oil from Venezuela where it's there's 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 no rules yeah. on how dirty you can get the environment. And that's better than buying from your producers here that do it the cleanest, best way possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are things people don't understand. Yeah. And it's also not going to be a quick switch. <laughs> if 96% of everything you have is oil and gas, yeah. most of us are not willing to go out back to like caveman times. I'm not. You cook with fire and you wear <laughs> skins. That's about, you know, what it is. Yeah. And so uh, you have uh, even like deaths from climate mm -hmm. have dropped to almost nothing because we can control our climate with oil and gas, with mm -hmm. air conditioning, with heating. We've got warning systems. We've got things, and it's all because of the good, abundant, reliable energy we have. And yeah. so it makes it a safer world for us. So it's actually yeah. a pretty rough world out there if we yeah. don't learn how to control it. And our and having access to energy, you look at you you look at you know the in, the interior of Africa where. A baby born a few weeks early there won't make it because they don't have electricity plug an incubator in mm -hmm. where our babies will make it. Yeah. And you're, you're condemning these people to dying of emphysema at 40 because they're cooking inside their huts and breathing. Mm -hmm. Kids have asthma. It's not a pretty sight. Yeah. And uh, so the whole point is to get this access to good, reliable energy to as many people as possible to make their lives better. And you pull that away, you're keeping those people in poverty. And frankly, a lot of the rest of us would end up there if, uh, if you really think you can pull it out from under us. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting thing to me is like, we've mentioned many times, like the petrochemicals that are broken down for things like our clothing, rubber, plastics, all like, you know, farming, like there's so much it goes into to where it's like, people say, go electric, get an electric car. And it's like, 
Where do you think the materials come from, you know? And that's why I love that you guys have a museum dedicated to teaching people this stuff. Like, we can't just expect people to know. Like, how would they know? There's too much to know in this world, you exactly. know? Exactly. And these people were, like, in the music industry where they... they they mix the the soundtracks for Disney. Yeah. So they're not dummies at yeah. all. They just have no idea. They, they, she was just amazed that everything I told her, she knew nothing about the industry. And once they learn, because I remember looking at one young lady from Norway, and she was pretty anti-oil and gas. Yeah. I'm like, so how are you getting home? <laughs> Because I'm not going to get on the boat. first electric airplane, you know, yeah. oh or row goodness. your own boat over. Yeah. You're, it, it's, it, and she... It was like she never thought of that. Yeah. I'm not getting on the first solar plane. Yeah. I mean, this oh is all gosh. great, and I think we can balance it. Think about a hospital with no petroleum products and no medicines. Yeah, I mean, th- that's your your plastic gloves, like the the bags IV of water. Yep. Yeah, literally everything. And plus a lot of medicines are petroleum-based. So <laughs> there's a lot out there, and they, they just... It's hard to wrap your head around how petroleum affects just every aspect of your life. For sure. So, like, with the fact that electric is, like, getting integrated into the oil and gas industry, has the museum caught up yet to adding in that stuff? Like, I know we have e-frac now. We have other electric products that's slowly creeping in. Is that something you guys have started integrating? It really isn't. We, we just have a broader picture. Okay. Um, it, we, we talk about hydraulic fracturing mm-hmm. because, you know, fracking, yeah. um, <laughs> which I'm not ever allowed to use that term. It's always hydraulic fracturing. Oh. Um, but um, we it, it, we don't get that specific. Okay. And so, but we do brown bag lunches and um, we, and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things we we can keep up with, you know, as we talk about it. But the ex- exhibits aren't quite that specific. Yeah, they're also really expensive and time consuming mm-hmm. to make them. You don't just put it in there, you yeah. know. Like it, there's some forethought that has yeah. to happen. The last renovation was 18 million, so it, it is. It's not an easy thing to change all that out. <laughs> if anybody wants to donate another 18 That's million, right. we'll add wait. it in. <laughs> you come, you come, let me know. I'll talk to you. Oh my goodness. Well, speaking of myths, what is like to you the craziest myth that you guys have been able to like crack in your myth crackers? Ah. Uh, or your favorite. It doesn't even have to be the most Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, and this was years ago. We, there was a couple from out of town, and she looks at us, and uh, what did she say? Uh, she wanted to know why we needed petroleum and, uh, and why it was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of fascinating. I'm like, I'm not sure where to start, yeah. but... Um, like that purse you're carrying is a petroleum product and your car runs on it and it's made up. I mean, it's things like that. I think the myths like with the water, um, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. We water golf courses using way more water. Um, I'm trying to think. It's been a little while since I've been in there. but yeah. well, it, And that oil comes from dinosaurs. And technically dinosaurs are land reptiles and oil yeah. comes from sea life. So um, those are just fun things that are... Not a big deal, whether you know yeah. or you don't know, but it's just kind of fun. Just that this was the Permian Sea three times, uh-huh. and that gives us our big, thick re- reservoirs. Um, so all, I, they just, um, I guess it's always just fascinating. They, yeah. they just have no idea. But make them think about a solar or an electric airplane, and that'll usually get their attention. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, like, solar stuff is so fun in addition, you know, but it's, Absolutely. like, it's it's a cool technology as well. Like, I love energy. I love all energy, but I understand that there's, like, time and place for each and every one. Yes, yes. And, like, when we talk energy transition, a lot of people think, oh, we're transitioning away from oil and gas, mm-hmm. but it's, like, we're transitioning to a more energy diverse future where exactly. it's, like, we have 
have all of it. We don't just have one. Like, that would be silly. Why would we do that? Scott Tinker has a great start to one of his talks, and he he says, you know, I like cow or steak, and his wife likes vegetables, and he goes, and I like ice cream. And so it's not a very good meal for just a steak. Mm -hmm. But you combine all of that together, it's a great meal, and it works, and it fills all these nutritional requirements. Well, Mm -hmm. that's what... That's what oil and gas and solar and wind and all of that. I, solar and wind, they just don't have capacity yet. They, we can't figure out how to store it. We can't. We're, we're a long ways from making it practical. Yeah. And add to the fact that the only way those turbines get to the windfill is on the back of a truck. Yeah. And uh, solar panels have a lot of plastic in them. Oh, yeah. And those things don't recycle. Mm-hmm. And so people don't think about the waste of solar panels and of uh, wind turbines. Uh, they cut those up and they bury them. And <laughs> some of that's toxic in the land. Yeah. Solar panels are highly toxic with all those things. And they haven't figured out how to strip those of the rare minerals they need. Mm-hmm. So they just go in the landfill and those aren't good for the yeah. land. So it's, it's, it's hard to, we've, we've got to do better. Yeah. I mean, we're just starting and we're going to learn and we're going to get it figured out mm-hmm. and we're going to have a great balance at some point. We're just not there. And to think we're there is, is just plain foolish. Really. Yeah. I, I think it's so fun. Like, I like this process and like, I'm typically somebody, I really enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that I don't like getting to the end goal, but I feel like there's no end goal here. It's like, we are just constantly evolving and like, there's so many other technologies and energy sources as well that we are slowly coming around to. So it's like, let's just pump the brakes. We don't need to cut people out. Like, let's exactly. take our time. Exactly. Let's, let's just enjoy all of we'll it. Like, there. we're lucky to have these options. We are. And you know, there are pumping units out in the field that run on solar. It's yeah. not, we're against it. They're not <laughs> somewhere where they can, you know, hook up and they run on solar. So yeah. the industry isn't anti-anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like you said, it's, a, it's just going to be a combination from everything and you get the best pieces of everything. You don't just force one thing through. You, you get it figured out. You, and then you, then you have the best of the best out there working. And so that's what's most efficient. Yeah. So something I'm curious about is typically the reactions people have before and after the museum, like little kids. What do kids come out thinking or questions that they normally have? Like, what is their impression of seeing this stuff for the first time? I I think they're fascinated because Mm -hmm. a lot of them know that their parents work in the industry, but they have no idea what they do. I I used to ask and be like, whose parents work in the oil industry? And they'd all raise their hands. I'm like, so what does your dad do? I don't know. (laughs) What does your mom do? I I, I don't know. And so they come out kind of having a better understanding of what their parents get up and do every day. You know, they go to work, but that's about all they know. And uh, while I work on this, I work on that. I, you know, I look at maps. I I figure out, you know, how deep the well's getting drilled. I, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think it's fascinating because they know they work in it. Yeah. But they just really don't know what in the world they do. Yeah. And so they come back with a little bit better understanding of what mom and dad might be doing. That's really cute. I, I remember growing up and like, I knew my dad like worked in like a car dealership. I was like, I honestly have no idea what he's doing there. And like <laughs> one day I was like, I genuinely don't know what my dad does. It is like you ask them and they kind of explain it. And then you're just like, I don't get it. But if I were to go see a museum of what he did, mm-hmm. I would be like, Oh, okay, cool. I appreciate it a little more. You know? My dad loved it when I went to work for the Petroleum Museum because he's like, now you'll finally understand what I do. I'm like, you're right, I do. (laughs) That is so cute. So, like, how did you decide that's what you wanted to do? You know, I I really came from a, a... very much a volunteer background. Mm-hmm. I actually have a Bachelor of Fine Arts that came uh, in uh, in interior design. So that came in very handy with the renovations and being yeah. able to read 
blueprints and designing exhibits and you know figuring it all out. But uh, museums always fascinated me. So I had been a volunteer at the Museum of the Southwest. I had been a volunteer at the Haley Library. Mm -hmm. I'd been a volunteer at the Commemorative Air Force Museum and. Uh, and then the education job came open, and I applied, and they took a chance and hired me because yeah. I had I'd worked with kids training, I'd worked with adults training, and uh, so it was just this great background of all volunteer work that all came together to help me get this job. So yeah, it's kind of it's an interesting way to get there, but it just so people remember that everything you do along the way, you know, really adds to that depth you have as you go on. Yeah, and sometimes you can't really see it when you're in it, but right. then sometimes you take a step back and you're like, wow, like, this really was all building to something. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, sometimes when you're making the decision, you're like, okay, I just need a job, I need to do this and that, <laughs> but it, it's cool to look back and see your tenure there because you really have, like, fully committed to this career, and I, I love to see people steadfast like that. I feel like a lot of people my age, it's like every year it's a different job, a different company, and they can't make up their minds but I really respect seeing people actually see it through at one place so I'm proud of you well thank you thank you it's <laughs> been fun to start out in education um, that was fun and it was really good timing because mm -hmm. museums in the late 90s were just figuring out that we couldn't just sit around and keep old stuff and you couldn't touch it yeah. it's like okay that doesn't have a real sustainable point going forward yeah. so in the late 90s museums began to think okay we we need to tell stories mm -hmm. um, even if we have old stuff there are great stories behind it yeah. and so we need to we need to do those stories and we need to we need to work on this and so it was just a fabulous time to get into um, the museum world and so it just kind of grew from there and so I was I was really lucky to be in it and in the time where we really decided we we needed to become relevant and yeah. um and be a part of our community you know we we want to be part of our community and uh and they really didn't do that before so yeah. uh so it's a, it was a great time to be in museums and i'm proud of where museums in general have come you know it's a much more open space inviting for all kinds of people mm -hmm. and uh and you start with students uh and kiddos, if you don't have kiddos interested in science by about the third or fourth grade, you'll never have them interested. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's so many ways you can impact your community. I mean, when we do teacher workshops, I tell our, our uh, people that help us fund it, I'm like, you train one teacher, they go back and they train 30 kids. Yeah. I mean, your multiplier effect is huge. So we are we're always working on trying to help our teachers. Mm -hmm. Because if you're an elementary school teacher, you didn't major in science. Yeah. You're, you're like, holy cow, I don't even know what to do. Exactly. And so, you know, we do that and to help them get to where, you know, they want to go and, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and just help. And I think it makes a difference. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've talked to a lot of people in manufacturing, oil and gas, and they're like, when do we get people started? And they're like, maybe in college, high school, middle school. I'm like, no, we need to go all the way back. And then they're like, how do we how do we talk to kids? Like, where yeah. are they? Like, where do you find these yeah. kids? How do you inspire them? But you guys have the best medium of educating these children and educating the educators. So it's a really great platform that you guys have. And it sounds like you're using it well. We are. We, we do. I mean, and it's just hands-on for science. Mm -hmm. um, how many, I mean, I had coaches for science a lot of times in high school. Yeah. And they just hand you worksheets and you had to read the book. Mm -hmm. Well, science is about exploding things and catching things on fire and, yeah. you know, making ooey-gooey stuff. And you can get kids hooked in that way. And we also have quite an assortment of animals at the museum. Ooh. We have a wallaby. We have prairie dogs. We have snakes. We have giant tortoise. Um, 
and I remember people would go, why, why do you have a wallaby? It's like, because if I can get a kid interested in that wallaby, uh-huh. I've got them. Yeah. And we talk about ecosystems and we talk about biology and then science begins to get real and fun. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of ways to do it and you don't do it with a book and a worksheet. Yeah, I feel like animals are a bit more relatable than mm-hmm. the other stuff. Mm-hmm. That is, that's so smart. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time. So I would love to ask for any pearls of wisdom that you have, anything you'd want to tell the people that are listening maybe it's young people interested in the industry or people who are skeptical any anything you want to give advice on oh gosh um young people and interested in the industry you could not find a more exciting industry to be in i think we are we are i'm not i don't want to say this out loud but i think (laughs) we're getting a little more um past the big booms and the big bus and so you would have the big bus and and kids were like, whew, not going into the anything petroleum. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a job. And then we would have 10 to 20 years that you could hardly find a geologist because nobody wanted to be a geologist during those bus times. I feel like it's leveled out a little bit with yeah. um, better technology. And so, which I think would encourage kids to say, hey, I want to be part of this. And there are so many ways mm-hmm. to be involved in this industry. Um, I, there are just thousands of different types of jobs. So I would encourage people to, to young people to think about it and uh, think about your science and think about your math. And uh, it is important. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to go, why am I having to do this math class? It's like, mm, but you're going to need it later yeah. on. And so hang in there, stick with it. You mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. And, uh, and we look forward to inviting you into coming into this business because it's a great business to be in. Amazing. Well, guys, I will put the um, information for the museum in the description of the episode. So if anybody wants to come visit, they can. And then I'll also put your LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to reach out to you um, or anything like that, is there any other ways that they should find you guys? Um, We're on Facebook. Um, I don't know that the museum has done well at keeping up their LinkedIn page, but all of our emails are on uh, our website. So go to our website, through it um you can click on all kinds of things and find out about programs or the chaparral race cars or yeah. whatever or the, you know those of us who work there so go to our website www.pbpetro.org perfect i'll put it in the description guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of the energy pipeline kathy thank you for coming on and i'll see you guys next week bye come back next week for another episode of the energy pipeline a production of the oil and gas global network To learn more, go to OGGN.com.